I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, January 23rd, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. I can't do the noise, Jay. Could you? Sure. Dun dun. That's perfect. You know, I haven't watched enough Law and Order to be able to make the noise, but yeah, that is the sound of the first Law and Order Toronto criminal intent trailer dropping. The unkillable TV franchise, been around since Jay was very young, just a long time ago, makes its first foray north of the border using the six as the newest locale for its famous ripped from the headline storytelling. Our predictions for some of the fake cases the show will tackle, a mysterious murder of a billionaire pharmaceutical CEO, a hometown rapper who calls for a hit on a disrespectful new artist, a mayor who resigns in disgrace after a scandalous misdeed. And Jay, you've got one too. I do. You want to hear this one? Let's hear it. A professional hockey team mysteriously loses their goalie. That may be too soon, and I'm sorry to do that. The Leafs did win one this weekend, so I'm sorry, but that would be a good one as well. You got to roll in hockey at some point to the show. People are going to think that like a goalie got murdered, Jay. No, it didn't, but he is killing the team. Uh, just kidding. I saw this, the preview that this was going to be. Yeah, you excited? I'm kind of psyched for it. It looks good. It looks a little bit... Canadian content, if you know what I mean. Now we're Canadian content, Jason. I don't want to besmeech Canadian content, but it doesn't look, you know, it looks a bit lower budget than the real one. It's like one of those things, like if we just like, you know, Amazing Race Canada, yeah. it becomes Canadian content automatically. So it is a bit of that, but it is an unbelievably successful franchise. I do like it. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I have watched it over a long period of time. You are correct, but I'm not that old. Just so you know. You're not that old, Jay. Like the record show, you're not that old. It's not Hill Street Blues Toronto. It's Law yeah. & Order Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Brett, aside from American shows coming up here, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, feds call cap on international students. For our second story, what's going on at Gildan and for our big picture. For our first story, after months of pressure to crack down on colleges that have been accused of exploiting international students, Canada is capping study permits at 360,000 students this year. Here's what happened. The federal government is reducing the number of international student permits by 35% next year as part of a temporary two-year cap on foreign enrollment. The move also aims to ease some strain on Canada's housing market and healthcare systems. The cap varies based on a province's population. Ontario and BC will have to cut international enrollment by up to 50%, while others can actually increase their load. International students at private colleges, which have ramped up foreign student numbers in recent years, will also lose access to postgraduate work permits. And it matters because Canada's population rose by 1.25 million people last year, driven almost entirely by immigration, including international students and other temporary residents. Economists say the steep increase in the demand for housing has made Canada's housing shortage even more severe. It's also compromised the integrity of the education system, said Immigration Minister Mark Miller, with colleges taking advantage of Canada's open immigration policies. Now to zoom out. Schools that provide high-quality education housing support for students will be relatively unaffected by the new rules, according to the minister, while bad actors, you know, like the ones of growing numbers of strip mall colleges, will find their bank balances shrinking by September. But a report from Desjardins suggests that by limiting the number of newcomers, the feds could stifle GDP growth and potentially send the economy into a recession. For our second story, the company that supplies the t-shirts for your work function is at the center of a power struggle filled with almost as much corporate drama as a succession episode. Yeah, this is a t-shirt drama, which I never thought I'd say. Driving the news, Canadian clothing manufacturer Gildan claimed that Browning West, a U.S. hedge fund leading the charge to bring back ousted Gildan CEO, 
Glenn Shamandy, illegally acquired additional shares in the company by failing to follow U.S. regulatory laws. It matters because go into your closet and look through your t-shirts. Odds are you'll find at least one from Gildan. In producing roughly 1.2 billion shirts a year, the company dominates the market for low-cost, basic apparel that Etsy sellers and bands throw their artwork on. Now, to catch you up, back in December, Gildan's board sacked Shamandy, claiming the co-founder put forward an aggressive expansion plan that failed to prove was viable. Shamandy gave the board the ultimatum of enacting the plan or firing him as CEO. It chose the latter. <laughs> Never ask a question you don't know the answer to. Later, Gildan gave more justifications, claiming Shamandy was totally checked out, scarcely coming into the office holding meetings or sending work emails. Now, some investors want Shamandy back and the board removed. By law, investors with over 5% of a firm's shares can call a special shareholder meeting to discuss such matters. Now to zoom out. Mm -hmm. West didn't have over 5%, so it quickly gobbled up shares. In doing so, Gildan claims the hedge fund failed to make a proper regulatory filing and violated a U.S. antitrust law. Gildan also called out the sketchy nature of Shamandi's relationship with the hedge fund itself. Browning West denied any inappropriate actions and said that Gildan's board was engaging in desperate and egregious actions to try and hold on to power. Here, the big picture, or the large picture, if you will, based on the t-shirt size. Since announcing Shamadi's dismissal, Gildan's shares have fallen about 13%, and its market cap has shrunk by about a billion dollars. If this saga drags on, it could seriously hurt the company at a time when demand for its products appears to be slipping. And for our big picture, Jen. Yeah, so spike in auto thefts prompts National Summit. The federal government will hold a National Summit next month to come up with a game plan for the rise in auto thefts across Canada. Toronto has seen the worst of it, with 9,600 vehicles stolen in 2022, which is a 300% increase from 2015, while carjackings in the city have doubled compared to 2021. More turbulence at Boeing. The FAA is now recommending that all airlines check another Boeing plane, the 737-900ER, given that the jets use the same door plug as the one that blew off the Alaska Airlines flight. The U.S. aviation regulator has already grounded 171 of Boeing's MAX 9 jets as investigations continue into the Alaska Airlines incident. Canada looks to address rising Mexican asylum claims. Ottawa will hold diplomatic talks with Mexico in an effort to deal with the jump in Mexican asylum seekers. Immigration Minister Mark Miller says the increase is tied to Canada lifting the visa requirements for Mexican tourists, a move that has paved an easier path for asylum seekers enter the country and then make a claim. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you and have a great Tuesday, Peak Pals. When you give me shock, when you-